Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Wind came up the door, closed on me, and the children were screaming. Welcome. Neverland is mine. <laughs> We're going to bring ghosts from all over the world. Join us. Be sure to bring your death certificate. Well, well, well. You're supposed to tell them to take their pixie out of their pockets. I don't believe in fairies. I am your host, your ghost. And I'm your pixie, the windy nerd, Heather. Why can't I see you and what have you done with Jeremy, our spider pan? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, actually, I would. That's why I asked. So, you've come to Neverland to fly. That's right, and I will turn this place upside down until I do. Meanwhile, Lost Boy Eric is searching Disneyland for him. <laughs> and he sent us some great audio. And of course, you'll want to share a trailer. Yep, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Walt Disney World celebrated 45 years on October 1st. Thanks to LaughingPlace.com for this audio. If you'd like to see the video, head over to their website, LaughingPlace.com. Good morning and welcome to our celebration. Isn't this exciting? 45 years ago, we'll welcome our first guest to the most magical place on earth. Now we invite you to celebrate those 45 years of magic, dreams, and make-believe with us today at the 45th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort.
help me welcome to the stage the president of the Walt Disney World Resort, George A. Calagrino. everybody. Welcome to Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom. As Nathaniel said, 45 years ago, on October 1st, 1971, we welcomed our very first guest. I was working here that day as a busboy at Disney's Contemporary Resort, one of the two resorts that was in operation here on opening day. I can tell you that for all of us cast members in the resorts and the theme park both, it was a day of excitement, anticipation, considerable butterflies in our stomach. But mostly, it was a day of joy because we had the privilege of knowing that we were about to create Disney memories that you, our guests, could cherish for a lifetime. And today, 45 years later, that joy continues. It's such an honor to have you here to share with us this milestone. On October 25th, 1971, Roy Disney, one of the co-founders of our company, was here to personally dedicate this place. It had been known during its planning stages as Disney World, but during his dedication, Roy used its new name, Walt Disney World, dedicating it to his brother, arguably the greatest entertainment visionary of the 20th century. Here's what Roy said on that day. Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and life of Walter Elias Disney and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt Disney's dream come true. Then Roy ended with a wish that we would like to share again with all of you. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place. A magic kingdom where the young of heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together. During anniversaries such as this, it's also helpful to remember something our founder said during the 10th anniversary celebration at Disneyland. Speaking at the Disneyland Hotel, Walt Disney said, I just want to leave you with this thought, that it's just been sort of a dress rehearsal and we're just getting started. Of course, after 45 years, perhaps we've gone a bit beyond the dress rehearsal stage. But when I think about Walt Disney World, I think of Disney's Animal Kingdom, where next year we will open Pandora, the world of Avatar. An entire new land based on the number one box office feature of all time. I think of Disney's Hollywood Studios, where we are now in construction on two other new lands based on Toy Story and Star Wars two of the strongest franchises in the entertainment industry. That comes on top of everything else we've already done today. And while I'm not ready to open the jar of pixie dust just yet, I can tell you that we will have much more news coming between now and our golden anniversary in 2021. So in a very real sense, we are just getting started. We are very pleased that you could join us for this moment. And now, to celebrate 45 years of magic, here is a 21st century take on a classic Disney favorite. Oh, 
thank you so much for joining us this morning in our special celebration of the 45th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort. Now we invite you to continue the celebration as you create your own memories, adventures, and dreams here at the Walt Disney World Resort. Have a magical day and see you real soon. October 1st was also the premiere of Great Moments in History, but only the American parts, starring the Muppets. Sometimes assisted by the town crier, the Muppets will appear in windows to perform musical plays about Paul Revere, the Declaration of Independence, and more. These are great shows, of course, featuring Gonzo, Fozzie, Piggy, Sam the Eagle, and of course some chickens, and then Kermit. Uh, Muppet mayhem and comedy always flood these shows, and so we highly recommend them. You are witnessing a pre-recorded audio picture. And now I've ruined the map. <laughs> By the time you hear this, a first look at Parts of the Caribbean will have premiered Sunday night. Right during a season two finale of Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> After the success of John Favreau's live-action The Jungle Book, he's spoken with Disney about live-action version of The Lion King. Considering The Jungle Book only had one live element, namely Mowgli, I failed to see how a full CGI animal movie is considered live-action. And Teddy Ruxpin is returning to toy store shelves with new LCD eyes and updated technology. Something so creepy... It gives even me nightmare. Teddy Ruxpin hits store shelves with hard drive load with 10 stories. You, of course, can download more stories. He's set to return July 2017 and will cost $99. Now that's <laughs> Well done. I have to agree with you on that. Well, I guess that means you're in the mood for a ride on Ghost Galaxy at Disneyland thanks to Lost Boy Eric.
inside, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with me. Okay. The Neverland Trailer Park. You've known for 24 hours that an unregistered wizard set magical beasts loose in New York. Yes. Where is this man? So, you're the guy with the case full of monsters, huh? News travels first. Mr. Scrander, do you know anything about the wizarding community in America? We don't let things loose. Hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. You wiped his memory, right? The no magic. The what? No magic. The non-wizard. Sorry, we call them muggles. I don't think I'm dreaming. I'll give it away. I ain't got the brains to make this up. Something is stalking our city. Wreaking destruction. And then disappearing without a trace. Witches live among us. We've lived in the shadows for too long. I ask all of you, who does this protect? Us? Danger. He senses danger. This is related to Grindelwald's attacks in Europe. This could mean war. We got a plan, right, guys? They need our help. Was that everything that came out of the case? I won't let another one die. I refuse to bow down any longer. Time is running out, Mr. Scamander. So we have a trailer of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and this is it's kind of exciting. Um, of course, I love animals, so any little animals that uh, even ma- magical ones that show up will be good. It looks like it's a uh, magical people versus non-magical people um, kind of battle that's trying to be incited there. And, and did I hear the name Lowe? Uh, yes, I think you did. Well, I'm sure Harry Potter fans that have read the books will be familiar with that alone makes it exciting. But why have I not used this idea? You want fantastic beasts? I should unleash a few beasts upon Neverland. How would you enjoy that? Oh, no thanks. We're we're good with beasts. Oh, of course. If anyone else calls you beasts, though. Ugh. To Disney and beyond. And now, we'll hear from horror icon Karen Hen. Fans will know her as Newt in the blockbuster fear fest that is James Cameron's Is. Day at two, Kansas City Comic Con. Welcome everyone. You guys have any time so far? Yep. Yes, I'm totally All right. Our guest this morning made her mark in Hollywood as Newt. So. Let's let her go ahead and come out and she can talk to you and we'll let his Carrie Ann. Hello. Welcome to Kansas City. Thank you. Is this your first time here? It is, yes. Alright, so you were born in London and you live in California now. No, I was born in Panama City, Florida. Okay. <laughs> you live in London and that's where they found you for um, well, actually, I lived in RAF Lake Heath, which was an Air Force base over in England. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I have done my research well. But the, the Indians was filmed in London, so technically I did live in London during the movie. <laughs> Alright, so, um, 
Take, take me back if you will. Nine in time? Yes. And they come to you and they say, we want you to do what what was that process? How did how did you get involved in, in the beginning? Um, well it all kind of can I take some here? Um, it all was kind of like a freak thing that happened. Um, I was eating lunch in my school cafeteria. I went to an Air Force Base school and usually I went home for lunch because if you live nearby you could and my mom just happened to not be home that day. So a casting agent came around and took pictures of sort of what James Cameron had in his mind as what he would like for the part of Alien, the part of Newt. They took my picture, I didn't think anything of it at all. And, and then a few days later, they called and said, oh, well, you know, someone took a Harry's picture, would you like to try out for a movie? I really had no concept of what was going on. But um, my parents just said, would you like to try out for it? So I said, sure. So we had a lot of auditions at, at my school. And then they brought uh, about five or six of us from my school to London to the student to find the studios and they did auditions there. Um, and then they called back and said it was between myself and a girl in America. So they were flying Sigourney Weaver over to audition with me to see kind of how our chemistry was. And then after that audition they called up and said I had the part. And again we still really didn't have a concept of what I was getting involved in. <laughs> so first day on set when you know you got all of this How did, how did you react to that? I mean, when it was before really you were on the set? Um, well, I was very lucky because between James Cameron and Stan Winston, they were very amazing and they tried to shelter me from a lot of things. Um, and part of that was by telling me how everything was done. So before the actual filming, I was there and I got to see the sets and see how everything was. They tested my um, hair, like they had to cut it because it wouldn't frizz out enough because it was too long. Um, they tested my makeup and everything. So I was used to all of that. What actually worried me the most um, was we had to go and eat. Everyone went into the cafeteria and they ate. And I was upset the first time going there because I thought everybody would laugh at me because of the way I was dressed. I had no concept and they were filming little shop horrors at the time. So there's people dressed all crazy in there. But as a nine-year-old, that was my concern, was that they were going to think I was weird, so. <laughs> and at nine years old, going in and working at Pinewood Studios, where so many films have been made, it just, there's no, there's no sense of the history of the place. But now looking back on it in hindsight, it, is, your, is your feeling about it any different in, in how, how much of an impact this because Aliens was really a hit in the 80s. And again, I can hear 30 years later, we're talking about you're doing panels and you're doing... Because after Aliens, you didn't do any more acting. No, well, and at the time, you know, I didn't realize how big Pine Studios was or even how big half the people I was working with were because at nine, I had no concept. Um, I... Um, now looking back, I mean, at the time I knew they had like, there's a special set there for James Bond and it says like 007 on the side. Well, I knew James Bond. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that's where they were filming Little Shop of Horrors. So wardrobe, you know, people working on that. So they took us over and I got to see all the sets when they weren't filming and things like that, which was really cool to do. Um, but you know, like I didn't go into acting. I didn't realize until, eight years ago was about when I realized how big Aliens was. And I don't know if I still really have a complete grasp of it, um, because I filmed Aliens and then we finished filming in February, and then we did voiceovers and little things like that, and I moved back to the States in May, and then Aliens came out in July. I really just wanted to be a normal kid. You know, um, so I didn't have any concept. I contemplated going back, going into acting, but I wanted to make friends. I wanted, it was a culture shock going from England, which my mom is English, so even though we lived up in American Air Force Base, we were with my mom's family when we weren't at school or work or whatever. So I was essentially an English child. 
Um, it was a big culture shock going to California, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, so it was hard, it was tough, and I just wanted to kind of get used to everything and make friends. And then I always wanted to be a teacher, so that's why I ended up following that path instead. And then I get. Do you currently teach fourth grade in California? Yes, I do. Okay. And now, now that you've been doing this, you know, you've had the 30th, you know, the 30th anniversary, you were out of San Diego, and you're starting to do all these panels, and now there's discussion about a new, a new alien with Neil Blomkamp doing. Sunday, 
night right after the convention um, because I have meetings again on Monday. <laughs> and then students start on Tuesday. Do you find it to be fulfilling? I love it. I love it every, every day. Well, 99.9% .9 of the time it is very, very fulfilling. The, the, the worlds of Hollywood and real life, that whole, that whole difference between, you talk about culture shock coming from England to LA. When did you start doing conventions? And, and was that itself some, some kind of culture shock for you? Because, I mean, this, you had, you had, like you said, you haven't been around any conference. And now suddenly, here you are, you're doing all these conventions. Yeah, I mean, at first it definitely was. I, I guess they've been looking for me, and I'm pretty hard to find, um, and I like it that way. Um, and they finally, someone found me, uh, I'm trying to think, my daughter was about a year old, so eight years ago? Um, 2008, someone in London found me, and they said, hey, you want to come to a convention? I truly and honestly had no clue like the only conventions I've been to were teacher conventions, which are very different to Comic Cons. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, a free trip to London? What the heck? My family lives there. Uh, so we went, and it was it, it was the London Film Comic Con, which eight years ago was a lot smaller than what it is now, because I went to it last summer, and it was a completely different world. And it was really neat, um, and it was kind of weird for me because I'll be sitting up there and I'm like, oh my god, I'm sitting next to that person. Oh, there's that person. Even I'm doing selfies of myself and sending it to my friends with like people in the background. Um, so I mean, it is. It was a culture shock. The next one I went to was uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta, and that's a whole other ball game. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to the bigger ones. And I've done a lot of different ones, and I just did San Diego Comic Con, which is on a whole different level. Um, it's really, it's amazing. It's amazing to just talk to fans. And as a military brat, I always love it because you always get someone who was in the Marines, and they come up to you and they say, you know, aliens meant so much to us, and uh, we watched it before we deployed. And for me, to think that I had a small part in them going off and then feeling like they were, you know, part of the family and you know them being able to relate to it for me that is like probably the biggest compliment I can get. After you filmed and you went back here, how long was it before you actually saw the movie? So we moved back here in May and then it premiered in July. So we went down to yeah, we went down to LA to watch it. Um, I was supposed to go to London for the premiere of it, but the school had started, so I didn't. Did it did it have did you did it feel any any surreal to see yourself up on screen like that No, and I think it's because I was so young. Like I didn't I was just and Sigourney used to say to my mom, you know, it's so weird because Carrie just thinks this is normal. And it's normal for nine-year-olds to do stuff like that. And for me, it is. Um, you know, I see the abnormality of it now that it's not. And like, you know, we have pictures on the wall, and my daughter will say something like, or you know, there's something that Sigourney has given her or something, and she'll be like, oh yeah, my friend Sigourney gave this to me. And my friends will say, that's just not normal. And that's kind of when it dawns on me, like, I've got some friends, you know. But, <laughs> It, and like watching it on the screen, um, I saw it again in LA for, they did an alien day screening of it around the country. And it's nice for me because my husband goes to those things, and I think watching it on the screen for him is kind of neat. It's, it's, my daughter is now the age I was, and she really looks like me. Um, so for me, it's almost like watching her. Um, but like, look, there was only one part that scared me that I hadn't, I wasn't there for it to be filmed, and throughout the whole filming, James Cameron was always trying to scare me. 
And I'd be like, yeah, whatever, it's just a <laughs> Or he'd like throw like, a rubber chicken at me or something, and like, it wouldn't scare me. Yeah, okay, whatever, okay. But yeah, at the very beginning, they go, one of the Marines come into the colony, and there's the three aliens in a thing, and one jumps up at um, Paul Razor. Oh, I didn't see that being filmed, and I screamed. And by this stage, nobody knew who this kid was, and they're screaming because my heart hadn't come on yet. And so everyone kind of looked at me, and then I didn't realize James Cameron was sitting behind me. So he tapped me on the shoulder, but I was still like in shock from the other one. I screamed again, and he's like, I've got you twice in like 20 seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is weird to see yourself on screen, but it's, I guess to me, it's kind of normal, which is weird. So, so your daughter can then play new in a flashback. <laughs> She probably could, yeah. Do you have uh, a particular, you know, you talk about the stories of you running around with a stuntman and the camera trying to, to, to scare you, and then we get the story about the slide. Um, it's, it's on IMDb, I kept busting the shot. Because you know, it has been exaggerated, I didn't bust it that many times. <laughs> so, what, so what is the story on that? This is, this is where you're hanging on and you fall down the chute? Yes, right? yeah. Um, so it was about a three or four story chute and it had this huge mat at the bottom of it, which, I mean, look at that side cabin right there. Um, and then all the people working on the film had put like a sign up um, and it was like adults one pound, children free. Well, I was the only child there anyways. And so um, I was up there maybe once or twice I kind of messed up a little bit so that I could go down and then because I didn't mind then when I went downstairs. Um, and then James Cameron said to me, he's like, Carrie, okay, as soon as we can get this done, and I always thought he knew what I was doing, but just this summer we talked about it, he didn't realize that's what I was doing. Um, and he said, as soon as we can get this done, you can go on the slide as much as you want. So I said, alright, let's go. So um, Bill Paxton improvised a lot of lines. How much did you get to play with what was in the script? Or did, or did you even get Was that even discussed? Did Cameron even say, we'll do it this way and then we'll try it one and you can make something up? The only kind of improvising that, because I am very much like, I mean, I guess James Cameron said to my dad, and I don't have a lot of experience working with children. Jimmy tips on Carrie, what I can do to get her. He just said, tell her exactly what you want, and she'll do it. And that's how it always been. Like, you tell me what I want, and I'll do it. And I'll do exactly what you say. Um, like, one point, he, I guess, you know, I stick my hands up through the grate before the alien comes. So I was under, I was in the water, and he was actually on top. And he said, okay, I'm going to say Sporty's line, it is X, Y, Z. And once I say that, you say your line. So I said, okay. So we were rolling, and he didn't say X, Y, Z. He said like A, B, C, and I said nothing. So then he's like, okay, cut. Um, Carrie, what happened? And I said, well, you were supposed to say X, Y, Z, and you didn't say it. I mean, I was very literal. Um, the only thing that was, I guess, kind of an improvise, but it wasn't, is at one point early on, James Cameron said, you know what, let's add a scream in here. So I want you to scream, and we'll see how that goes. So he, I said, okay, so I screamed, and then when I was finished, I kind of stopped and looked around, and everyone was just staring at me. And so it was kind of, I guess, an improvised, but it, like, then he said, okay, we're gonna use that word. So, but then I got laryngitis, that kind of sucked. did a lot of screaming in that. Yeah. Now, I understand your brother was also in the movie, was in the deleted scene. He played your brother yes. in the film. Is that, do you have, do you guys ever talk about the experience, or? Um, yeah, I mean, my brother got to come on set even when he wasn't filming. Um, the school would let him out occasionally to come up and he would spend a week here or there because my mom and I were living in London. He and my dad were at Cambridge. Well, just outside of Cambridge. Um, and so he'd come and do that. For me, it was cool because I'm on set, he and I are over there, my mom's over here, I get to argue with him, and I gotta hit him with my doll, and I was getting paid, and she knew nothing about it. So like, for, 
be that school and I don't have to go to West Virginia. But, you know, it was never, like, I used to get a lot of being like, oh, was your brother jealous that his part got cut out or whatever. Um, my parents would never allow that to happen. Like, there was no, I didn't brag. I didn't make fun of him or anything like that. It just, it was what it was. And we were pretty much told that eventually, one day, there would be, you know, an extended version and he would be in it. So, I mean, it, it just, it's never a big deal in our family. So, if you were to go back, what kind of, where, where do you see dudes now? You know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but you know, 30 years later, just spitballing, where do you think dude would be after all this time? I mean, I don't know, that's kind of hard. Um, I guess I kind of see her as taking over for Ripley. Um, you know, I see that, because kind of, James Cameron kind of set it up and some people saw it, some people didn't, but there was a lot of frames that had Hicks, Ripley, and Newt. And he was trying to kind of set up that family. Um, so in my mind, I always thought, you know, we went back to Earth and lived a happy life. Um, you know, probably won't happen. And obviously didn't. Um, but I guess I always just felt like, in the movie, Sigourney and I had such a strong bond that I looked up to her as my character, and I guess I always felt like new probably would have grown up to be kind of like her, maybe do something similar. Yeah, you two, you two kept in touch over the years. You said you were still friends. I mean, you still have that that connection between the two of you. Would that make it easier for you to be on set doing this after so long? I mean, if, if all the stars aligned and everything worked out. And where I was a little bit, like, uh, not quite sure what to expect, especially, like, in the Alien Queen whole thing and with all the gunfire and, and fire and all the crazy special effects that were going on, that I kind of looked to her, and when she was calm, I found out 30 years later that she wasn't as calm on the inside as she was portraying to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, and I think just in general, actors kind of play off of each other and how things... Good morning. Um, I found your juxtaposition of fandom conventions with teaching conventions amusing, and I was wondering if you might elaborate on some of the fun things you've had at teaching conventions. Uh, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They're fun, I guess, if you're into education. Um, we did. I went to one, and it was in San Antonio, and actually my husband went with because I had miles, so he was off, so I thought we'll go down there. And he would go kind of check out where we were going to go on the river walk for dinner and things like that while I was learning about like math, reading, and all that fun stuff. Um, I mean, I guess the way he described it was it was kind of like at nighttime, it was like teachers gone wild down there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's. My, my best friend is a math teacher, of course. Kind of heard stories. <laughs> it was pretty crazy, I'll tell you. I was like, Whoa. So, do you have a specialty in you know, fourth grade, some kind of, depending on the school that you either have, you're always teaching math to all of the students or reading or do you I do it all. I do it all, yeah. And I'm excited this year I have my daughter in my class, so. You know, I don't know, I'm asked that question a lot, and I 
guess, you know, there are things that, like, I do use it because kids say things that you can't laugh about, but you really want to laugh about. Oh, awesome, thank you. Um, that you really want to laugh about, but you kind of have to act like it's not funny. Um, and sometimes they have to get in trouble for what they did, even though it's slightly amusing. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, like, the weird teacher. Like, I dance, I sing, I do all that stuff. So I guess I kind of do use that. Although I can't sing and I can't dance. Um, so it's interesting. But, I mean, I guess I do kind of use that. I sometimes still, like, have the kids do plays and things like that, and I use a lot of acting. I'm, I'm assuming being not you made aliens that you had never seen the first movie because it would have creeped you out. But then I assume that also, uh, if you had seen the first movie, Alien, would you have been too scared to death to do the sequel? Well, actually, well, I had never seen it all through the audition phase. And then when they offered me the part, they did, Galen uh, Hart did say, the producer, she said, Carrie needs to watch Aliens. Before you sign anything, she needs to watch Aliens. Um, which at the time, I was eight at the time, and I actually thought it was funny. Like, I thought it was like, I, I don't know, I thought it was funny. Which is ironic because Aliens is probably the scariest movie I've watched since then. Because I don't like scary movies. Um, so, I mean, I did see it, but I had a very different reaction. Um, now I wouldn't want to go watch it because it would probably scare me. I have, like, that active imagination, and I, like, imagine it was going to happen around me or something. Now, with Dylan, her producing The Walking Dead, do you get questions about showing up on that show at some point? I mean, are, are, are people regularly asking you when, you can, when you're going to get back into acting? Um, I do get asked that a few times, um, and there's been a couple people who have talked to me about doing cameos on different things in that, and I said if it works out, it works out, then I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, just right now, I don't have a lot of time. Um, yeah, I mean, it was funny because in San Diego, Lisa Courtney and I were talking to Gail separately, and I said, you know, I'm sorry, Gail, I haven't watched it. And she's like, oh my god, Sigourney hasn't watched it either. She's like, how can we have it? I go, it would terrify me. I would be convinced zombie everywhere with zombies. And that's exactly what Sigourney said. <laughs> she, she said, uh, as soon as that idea gets in her head, yep. she would see them everywhere. Yeah, that, that would be me. I'm, yeah. There was, you, you keep mentioning cameos. You'd be okay with cameo or doing that kind of thing. The, the recent sequel to Independence Day uh, got a lot of fan blowback they replaced the actress who played the president's daughter from the first movie, who was about that same young, young age, and they replaced her. And there were a lot of people who were not happy with that. Since this is your part, would you be okay with somebody else playing an older Newt? Because there are a lot of people out there that think you're the only one that needs to play. If, if Newt comes back, Carrie Ann needs to play. Yeah, which is interesting because um, I guess about a year and a half ago I opened up a Twitter account and I get a lot of questions about it and a lot of people saying that to me. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, as long as they did be proud of it. Because in this new one, I mean, you've got, you know, Sigourney's back, Ben said he's, he's coming back. And it's one of those where, well, if we're bringing everybody back, we need to bring everybody back. And so, you know, there's that. Well, I think that, but I think that from what I've read, um, is that Newt is supposed to be quite a bit younger. Is supposed to be like in her late 20s, is what I read somewhere. So I don't think I can pull that off at 40. Uh, okay, so so what's next for you? I mean, you've got the school, the school year starting on Monday, right? Tuesday. That's, that's your life. You've got two, how many kids do you have? I have two children. What do they think about this? Now that you're in all the conventions or you're doing the publicity tours and press? They think it's pretty cool. I mean, my son is in second grade. He's like, whatever, he doesn't care. He gets to meet some pretty cool people and get some pretty cool autographs out of it. Um, my daughter is at the age where she's like, this is pretty cool. Maybe this is what I would want to do. Um, 
she kind of gets it a little bit more than he does, I think it's just because of the age. Uh, like at San Diego, um, they walked around with my husband and my parents went as well. And they just couldn't believe that like I was sitting among these people. And during the panel and that, they just were amazed. Um, I don't know if any of you have been to San Diego Comic Con, but we were in Hall H. And my children were just like, that's so weird that people, that many people wanted to hear you talk. Like, we have to hear you talk all the time. You know, my students say the same thing. Um, you know, I mean, they just, yeah. Um, but you know, like for me, for when they go there, I'm very conscious of, I don't want people to know they're my children. Um, so they aren't allowed to come up to me or anything like that, which is hard for them. Um, but I like to keep Whatever, you know, I mean, like I said to her, I said, well, if whatever you choose to do, I will support her just as my parents did. Um, and if she, I said, you are one of the luckier ones that if going into acting is something you want to do, I obviously have connections to try to, you know, see if that is something to further. But I don't, I mean, I really don't know. Right now, her big thing is robotics, so. the microphone to get to it. Uh, I fear you probably got a pretty good look of some of the uh, mechanics or the puppeteering for the facehugger since you know they have the scene with Newt in there uh, trapped with one. Uh, how did that work? I mean it looked like they really just didn't have any wires out there. Was there a lot of remote control going off that or how did that work? Yeah it was like it was it was remote control basically and then there was someone off on the sides and they were moving all the stuff around and everything. So it was pretty cool. It was like a remote control facehugger. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah. Do they ever let you play with the remote and kind of make it run around? No, because I might have broken it. Um, I mean, they let me do other cool things, like uh, the end where they pull me across on the ground. Um, well, when she opens up when she's fighting the Queen Alien and all that kind of stuff, the power loader. Um, I had a harness on, and it was the same harness that you can use to fly around like Superman. And on another set, they were filming aliens flying around various scenes here or there. And they said, when we're done with this, we'll take you over to that. Then they let me fly around and do fun stuff like that. Cool. It paid to be the only child on set. Yeah, because you were getting paid to have fun. Yeah. Were there any props or anything from the set that you got to keep? No, I keep, well, I mean, yes and no. I kept asking, can I keep this, can we keep this, can we keep this, can we keep this, and then James Cameron kept saying, no, no, no. <laughs> um, do you, there's a, when Ripley goes afternoon and it's in like my little nest where I have all the stuff in there, she pulls out a picture and it says I can raise citizenship award. And in it, I'm like, there's a picture of me and I'm in a dress. I still have that dress, but that's about the extent I think of. Excitement and like wardrobe gave me a few little things. Um, on Hudson's coat of armor, he had a skull, uh, there was like a knife in it or something, and they had made multiple of those. And so they gave me one of those, and, like little things like that. But now I just don't have to keep lunch. What was your biggest takeaway from working on You know, I think, even as a child, I realized how much that movie centered around a woman hero. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's from the movie or if it's from my parents or if it's a little bit of both, but I, I never doubted that I could do or be anything that I wanted to do. Um, and I could, I just, I think it was kind of empowering for me as a girl. 
the London Con and maybe some other cons as well. Uh, you know, taking selfies of yourself with people in the background. Who have you been really juiced or jazzed to meet or take selfies with, and vice versa? Do you think it's funny that some celebrities have been jazzed or juiced to meet with you? Yeah, it's kind of weird to me sometimes when other celebrities will say like, oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh, I used to watch Indians when I was little and you were my favorite character and things like that. And that used to, like, that's kind of weird for me. Um, I think my biggest one was when I was in, I went to a convention in Germany and MacGyver was there. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's MacGyver. I like wanted to love that team, you know, like do something cool, you know. Um, and you know, I kept taking, like, and we were, at one point, all of us were on the stage, so, like, I was on this big stage with him in front of all these people, and, you know, we were all up there taking pictures, so I made sure I got a picture, and I sent it to my brother, and I was like, ah, look who I saw. Is, uh, is there, like, a balance? Like, you want, you want to play it cool, but you also want to be a fangirl at the same time? Yeah, I, I try to play it cool. Um, I, try, I like, I met, uh, Christopher Lloyd, and I was kind of like stumbling as I was talking to him, um, and I was kind of embarrassed about that. But um, I mean, it's I mean, don't get me wrong. I sit up on the panels at Alien stuff, and I think, you know, backstage I'm talking to my buddy, and then I'm on stage, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm sitting at the same table as Bill Paxton, like he's sitting right next to me, like you know, because I mean, to me. He is a movie speed. I mean, yes, he's my friend, but it's still like, wow, that's, it's, it's pretty cool. You want to name drop somebody who was uh, jazz or juice to meet you? Oh my gosh, I can't think of anyone at the moment. I'm trying to think. Give me a minute, I'll get back to you if I can think of anyone. Yes. Sorry, I will just tell you too, I just came in on a red eye, so I'm kind of tired. It's funny you talk about, you know, that meeting the celebrities, meeting the, the people who are famous and stuff. I've had, you know, doing, doing this, I've had a lot of opportunities to you know, sit and talk with people and interview people. And it never occurs to me to take selfies with any of these people. Because I don't think, to me, it's just, you know, we're having a conversation, we're doing, doing things. I'm, I'm, you know, in my box. Yeah. And not even thinking as a fan at the moment where I'm going to sit and talk because you know, you're doing the interview. And people are for people. I associate more with all of you. You know, like I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not like that's not my life. Um, so I mean, it is. I, and I'll admit, because I don't watch scary movies, I sometimes a lot of my friends and even my husband will say their law conventions are lost on me because I don't know who some of the people are, and I'll be sitting there talking to someone, and I actually have the IMDb app on my phone. So that when I make conventions, I can actually put in their names, like who I'm sitting next to, and find out what Which is kind of bad, but then I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I know that person now. Except it's after the fact. Yeah, so it's yeah, actually that actually keeps you from stumbling and, and fumbling when you're actually interacting with them. So I guess maybe that's a good thing. I guess, yeah. Um, actually, I was just thinking. Um, Uh, um, he used to always do the pro am, the golf pro am in Monterey. And my brother and my brother's friend were all into going there and getting autographs from people. And they would say to my friend and I, Well, we will we'll pay for all your meals and everything. We just want you to come with us. Because they were obviously thinking two girls are going to get the autograph before two guys. And so we went there, and Bill Murray was there. And they're like, Gary, you got to say something about Noe Sigourney. Because he's not giving anyone an autograph. We need it in. You've got to do it. And I was really upset, because he came to visit her at Pinewood. 
And she came back from lunch and she's like, oh, Karen, I didn't even think about it. I should have taken your lunch. I had Bill Murray for lunch. And I didn't even think about that. You, you know, your Ghostbusters fan would have enjoyed it. So I did fumble when I was talking to him and I was like, oh, you know, a friend of mine. And he stopped and looked at me probably thinking, who's this crazy lady? And so I said, oh, it's Sigourney. And he's like, yeah, how do you know her? So I told him, I said, remember you came to visit her when at Pilot. And so he actually stopped and gave us his autograph for that. But of course, I did all the work, but I didn't get the autograph. It has been pleasant having you here in Evil Land together. I think I should reunite you with Jeremy now. <laughs> uh, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, maybe I should get out of here before I vanish too? Uh, but visit NeverlandPodcast.com for all of our contact information and write us a review on iTunes and email uh, email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.